Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. We're broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm your host, Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Meisenheimer. And we've got a packed show for you in store tonight. It's going to be all MLS talk, or pretty much all MLS talk. We'll be looking at the highs, the lows, the excitement, the drama, and of course, we'll be talking about the most embarrassing thing that happened this week. Spain 6, Germany nil. How'd you like them, Apple, Zach? Yeah, I, I feel worse if it wasn't in a glorified friendly. Ooh. That glorified friendly is the kind of stuff that got Scotland to a major tournament, so I'm all for the Nations League. Wonderful competition. But no, we are going to be talking about MLS, and yes, we will get to that big talking point of the week, the Orlando City game, but we're not going to cover that until later on the show, because you don't want to get all your good stuff out of the way first. It's like when Spock killed Darth Vader. You didn't want to put that in the first movie. You wanted to save that for the, the third Battlestar Galactica trilogy film. So it's like, all that kind of stuff will be coming up later in the show. But we are going to be talking MLS playoffs. And I know we've got some new listeners that have kind of joined us over the years. And there's going to be some, some new Whitecaps listeners as well. Maybe people that have only started following the team in the, the last couple of years. So... Just to explain, the MLS playoffs are an annual event that take place at the end of the season. You'll be very unfamiliar with it. You might get to know it in a few years' time, but suss it out. It's on TV just now. Just get used to, to what might be in, in store for us in, in a couple of years down, down the line. Oh, my God. Sad but true. I, I don't know how much of the, the playoffs you guys watched this weekend. I thought... I'm just going to fast forward through a lot of the games. And then it was just like a bizarre six games this weekend. I mean, there was drama in all of them. And it was a fantastic, on the whole, a fantastic advertisement for MLS in regards to how exciting the the games can be. We'll cover the other stuff later on. But, I mean, how much did, did you guys get to watch? I watched a bunch, but um, I agree with you. There were moments that were that were good, 
but I think I've probably been watching more European football now than I have, you know, like in a, in a, in many years. And when I go and watch MLS, it's I get what the Euro snobs are on about in terms of the quality of the football, and it it is a little bit harder to watch than than I don't know when I wasn't watching as much higher quality football. I, I popped in once in a while. It wasn't, uh, you know, obviously must-see TV for me, but uh, I, I, I was lucky enough to catch that Orlando uh, penalty shootout with New York City FC. Caught that. Um, I caught a lot of stuff today, too. Uh, so I was able to pop in when it was good. So I didn't really miss the really boring stuff, apparently. Yeah. I mean, like some of the games, like the Portland one, which we'll come to, that ended up being dramatic. But for a big chunk of that, it, it was a, a pretty boring game. But ultimately, at the end of this this first weekend of action, in what could be peak 2020, we are still on course for a Dallas-Nashville MLS Cup final. After both teams got sent home from MLS's back, that could still be on. And I think that, in many ways, would be absolutely fantastic. But we've got six games to, to talk about. We're not going to delve into all the ins and outs of the games, obviously, but there's a lot of talking points coming out of them in various aspects and things that affect the Whitecaps or things that we can talk about from a Whitecaps perspective. So we're going to do that. I'm going to bring you some audio as well from, from after a, a couple of the games. But we're going to kick things off with looking at the on-pitch action in the Western Conference. We all know the West is best, so we're, we're going to get to those games first. Um, all three Western Conference playoff games that have taken place so far took place today, Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday night. Going to start with the first game today, Sporting Kansas City, San Jose Earthquakes. Could have been the Whitecaps if, if we'd got that eighth place. And what a game enjoyable the I think ably demonstrated how horrible MLS defending can be at times and before we get into the game that that's an area that I kind of just want to delve into right away because it, it never ceases to amaze me that in this league teams spend so much money on their attacks and they don't seem to want to invest in their defense We've had guys like Stephen Betashur, one of the best right-backs in the league, who's complained before that he knows what his worth is, but he can't get a team to pay that worth in MLS because they don't value defending. We've seen before teams struggled in the past to bring in DP centre-backs. The, the Whitecaps tried to, to do this in the past. Toronto tried to do it, and they, they were kind of blocked by bringing in defensive designated players. You look at the two LA teams who spend so heavily on their attack and then have been caught out so many times at the back that you you can't automatically outscore your opponents. I mean, do you agree with me? Is that an area that seems to be severely lacking in MLS? Just investment in good defenses. I, I don't think. I don't think it, it's a weird thing. I I don't think it's a uh, not enough investment in defending. I think there's been an overinvestment in attacking, and they it ha, it's basically the investment in defending hasn't caught up with the attacking side. Uh, that's what I feel like. The, it's similar to if you want to compare the Whitecaps and the way they invest in the team compared to everybody else. 
the Whitecaps haven't caught up to everybody else. Uh, they're still doing MLS 2.0 where everybody else is MLS 4.0. It's the same thing for me with our attack. That's a, being invested heavily in high amounts of money in, in star players where defending, I don't feel like they're, they, they're really caught up. I don't think defending is bad. I don't think it's just good enough to go against this attack that, that's brought, been brought in from overseas. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely uh, there's an imbalance there. And it's, and it's an imbalance so much so that it, it is different than the rest of the world. Because, yes, of course, for the most part, you pay more for your attackers. It's, the, it's, 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 what, uh, what, it's what draws people into to, to games and to, your, to loving your club and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's, yeah, I think, I think it would be, without looking at the numbers and, and breaking it all down that way, Michael, I think it's fair to say that there is an imbalance there that in MLS that's that's been been lacking, or or noticeable. Sorry, and and you mentioned some you know good examples of how the league itself you know uh, from you know going back to Jade Demerit and Olaf Melberg situations where they wouldn't they did not want that designated player tag on defenders um, and literally blocked it in, in those two cases. Um, and I'm sure there's it's quite possible that there are others that we don't know about. But um, yeah, I mean, there were examples uh, in the, in the, there have been examples in this playoffs and in this unique season of just how poor the defending is. And um, I think we'll get to them. I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll get to them. But one of them is for me uh, that was very white caps esque was the, 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 uh, the equalizing goal in the, in the Kansas city San Jose match where, the most dangerous person is allowed to just ghost in, yes, um, you know, un- unabated and and free. But yeah, I know. I mean, the Whitecaps obviously are a team that have invested heavily in their defence. They just haven't reaped the the rewards of that, as we talked about in last week's show. So let's get into this game. KC Quakes. Now fans were in attendance for this one, and I think it showed the difference that supporters can make in lifting a team a home team, when they're down, in a big game, because I thought the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic for this one. I thought the Kansas City fans did themselves proud. I thought they were loud, they were excellent. Obviously, fans were in at some other games as as well this weekend. I mean, it is a big advantage in a playoff scenario. It still looks a bit weird to see fans in at games because we've been so used to not seeing them. The Orlando game was one of the ones where there didn't seem a lot of social distancing behind the goal from the the ultras that, that were in there. But it does show, I think, an advantage that some teams are going to have in this playoffs if you can get a raucous home crowd there cheering you on and lifting you when you need it most. How how is this happening? I, I I just don't understand how things are so bad in the states, and yet they're still allowed to have people at some of these stadiums. Obviously, not all of them. I don't, I just don't I do not understand. And on top of that, yeah, if there if whatever your region doesn't have a lot of cases, I guess or whatever, and you're allowed to have fans, how are they not like more appropriately enforcing physical distancing? I it, yeah. It was just strange watching, even in even in Kansas City, where it wasn't uh, as uh, blatant or flagrant or mm. whatever. There was a couple of times when the shots of the crowd, I was like, you know, that doesn't look like a family. Well, um, I'll, I'll. It's a very easy way to decipher how some stadiums are. Um, if you look at the past election, 
Um, where you see red states, you will see more fans in the stands. And where you see blue, uh, you'll see more social distancing. It's, it's pretty cut and dry. There might be a few exceptions here and there, but it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, I was going to say it's pretty black and white, but it's pretty pretty blue and red, really, is basically what it, what it does boil down to. I mean, like, you know, Caitlin's not a big football fan, but like she was on the couch when I was watching the games yesterday. And during that Orlando game, she was like counting all the people that didn't have masks on. And I was trying to explain to her, yeah, it's Florida, they're letting them in and stuff. But it did make a big difference. Now, in this game, Casey went up early, four minutes in, great delivery by Johnny Russell from a corner, Roger Espinosa header. But I mean, San Jose, they came roaring back with... It was a goal the Whitecaps could have given up. The ball hits off the defender's face and goes in the back of the net. I mean, that's such a Whitecaps goal. But then former Whitecaps, Shea Silliness, he puts them ahead. It was a deflected effort off the same guy that the ball had hit his face a few minutes earlier. Not a great day at the office for him. All three goals in that first half did not look good in the defence. But I think the worst one was Casey's equaliser to make it 2-2 where the corner came over at the start of the second half, just came right to the back post, and it's just no one tracking it. It gets put in. Eli Sanchez got the credit for it. And then the drama in the end, which was, like, amazing. Wando hits the post in the 89th minute, and you're thinking, oh, man, that would just have been... So fitting for Wando in what might be his last season, you probably think it will be, to, to get a dramatic late winner for the, for the underdogs. Tim Melia, though, amazing save. It's like you've got to give him full credit there. Then two minutes later, Casey go up the pitch and they're ahead. Gianluco Busio, great setup, of course, from, from Johnny Russell to, to set that move up, got to say that. And it's like, wow. What an ending. And then Busio nearly got another goal as, as the Quakes pushed for the equaliser. And you thought, oh, well, that's it. KC, they're through. And then you think the drama's over. 97th minute, because KC spent so much time celebrating Busio's goal that all this extra time then got added on. And who who's the man? Johnny on the spot. This time it's Wando on the spot. And as you said, Zach, it's like, just let him just run in get on a header, through a couple of defenders. Absolutely amazing goal from him. But before you guys comment on that, I've just got to say the joy, the passion, just everything that Wando exuded after that goal, that's what you want from your players. That's what you would kill for to have on your team. He just loves that team so much. And it's... It's infectious, not in a COVID way. It's just it's infectious to watch a guy like that play. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was good to see. I obviously, love to see always see Shea Selina score, whether it's deflected or not. Um, uh, but uh, no, yeah, Wando. It was if you, you just feel good for the guy um, and happy for him. And he, uh, yeah, when he hit the post or Amelia made the save or went off the post or after or whatever. A really close chance. You thought, oh, like that could have been it. And then just as the game kept going after the the go-ahead goal from Busio, which was a, a great goal. You're right. Really good setup from Johnny from Johnny Rustle. Um, it just felt like it was, I don't know, at my house, it felt like it was it was coming. Um, speaking of Johnny Russell and his huge impact on the game, are we, and Michael, I know you're always wanting us to get uh, matching AFTN 
uh, tattoos. I was wondering if we could get it because I think Johnny has this too. The, the new fad, right? It's the tattoo, the word down behind your ear. Yeah. Maybe we could get away from the numbers, all of us. Or is this is this like the new bicep tattoo, or is this new the new tramp stamp? What is it going to be? It's like the male tramp stamp, I think. Doesn't it come from the shoulder up more than it actually goes down? I thought that's what the way it could, like, it could, it could be. It's Steve. like Cody Rhodes' ugly tattoo. That oh, yeah. When we when I first saw that, I didn't know that was his real tattoo until like a couple of days later, and it's like that's real. That wasn't painted on. Yeah. yeah um. Uh, the my thoughts about this game is, and we'll talk about it obviously in a bit here, but the difference in goalkeeping because. Mm. The San Jose goalkeeper, I would have rather preferred sometimes the right back from Orlando in that spot instead of him. Because I didn't, on those set pieces, I didn't know, feel like he knew what he was doing. Like you're talking about that goal where it was just like in, in on the right. He, he was just always caught up in the crowd. He would never attack the ball or anything like that. I, I felt like he didn't know how to cover a corner kick. And apparently during the game, they mentioned that. San Jose's let the most uh, set pieces in, uh, mm. goals in, and you could totally tell how that happened. Yeah, marked difference between the keepers. And yeah, we saw it in the shootout. I mean, there was no more goals in extra time, but that shootout, Tim Melia, three saves from the first three kicks. Wando didn't even get to, to take a penalty in the shootout because it was over after each team had taken three kicks. And I don't want to harp on about Johnny Russell, but I mean, that, that penalty of his was like clinical. And we'll talk about clinical penalties in a game coming up pretty soon. But Melia just has, he'd obviously done his homework. Fantastic stuff. Well, they flashed the stat on the screen, right, Michael? And it was like something like 56 or he, he's only been scored on in any penalties in MLS 56 or 54% of the time. So, oh wow! So after, after today, I that, think that's a really good. And, and we and Vancouver uh, went through that too uh, in the knockout match at the the tournament mm-hmm. back in the summer. Yeah, um, they were knocked out because of him. That's penalties in games and shootouts, I believe, combined. Yeah, like it's 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 pretty unreal. But you, when you know that, when you're coming into that situation, you know, oh, this guy's an incredible penalty taker. You gotta question Mateus Almeida saying. Let's put our, our our best guys in the four and five spot as opposed to – and I know there, there's pros and cons either way, but you really would have thought that Wando should have gone near the beginning to give them some confidence, to maybe give them a lead, to, um, you know, maybe show that, you know, uh, Emilia's stats are great, but he is beatable. I don't know. It just – I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty and all, but it felt yeah. a little awkward. Like, so Wando, Wando gets that amazing equalizing goal – and doesn't get to take a penalty and try and help, at least try and help San Jose move on. And uh, yeah, he's got to be gutted at that. And, and the thing is, is it could be, it, it could be the aura of, or, you know, the, the history of Timelia that, yeah. that made San Jose less confident. But one thing I got to mention about that penalty shootout in Kansas city, who jacked up the mics? Because when those goals in with Kansas city, it felt like, like a warp or warp, field had opened up or like a black hole had opened up now the, the sound yes. effects what was that it's funny you should say that because caitlin came through she was in the kitchen and she was like what are you watching she went have you got two things playing at the same time i was like no i said there's fans in that must be why but that was the moment that she came through so that's funny 
Yeah, no, I, I heard that. I was like, what is with the mics? Like, that's not how a net's supposed to sound like. I mean, it's it. they're doing whatever they can to make the game as engaging for those watching on TV, right? Mm. So who knows what volumes they're turning where and wh- where the, the sound is actually coming from. Talking a shootout, so, and like this was raised actually during the Portland game, and you've just raised it again there, Zach. For me, I would put my top guys up first because you want to put the pressure on the other team by scoring the goals. I know that might then put the pressure on the guys still to come that aren't maybe that good at penalties because it's like if they're nervous anyway, they might be like, oh crap, we've got to take this and I'm not a penalty taker. But you want it, you've got to get it on the board early for me. And, and then you also put the, you, you give less of a chance for the goalkeeper to get his confidence. Because uh, he's going to be guessing and everything like that after letting a goal in early if he's facing the best guys. But I don't know. I I, I know Kirsten Wondolowski's got a reputation for penalty kicks, but at that point, I'm not sure if Milia wouldn't have stopped him either. So I don't know if that would have made that much. It, yeah, and that's the like the the pressure thing is the same is the same point for for going first too, right? Like you want to go first because you want to score and then put the other team under under pressure. So yeah, it's it's weird that like Matias Almeida would. Would do that. It's also, I mean, it's same weird when a, a coach who's so big on on man marking his team is so bad at set pieces. <laughs> that makes so much sense. <laughs> last thing on this, actually, last two things. One, I really like the referee in this one, Nima Sagafi, who's a, a referee. I'm not familiar with the name. I thought the way he he like put his arms around players and kind of had a bit of a joke with them. I like to see that because it's it just I think puts him at ease a little bit. But to go through that. To go through a season like this, to go through 120 minutes, to get into a playoff penalty shootout, and you're out after your three kicks and only three kicks, that's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. The the, the ref, this ref, I agree with you, Michael. I thought he did a pretty good job. He did, um, he did, uh, I think it was with, uh, was it uh, Dia? He thought, yes. he thought he was the guy he had already booked, and he came in with that flying tackle, and he went to go, he went to go give him the, the the yellow and the second red, and then he realized it was the wrong player, and so they had they had a good like they were he was literally laughing with the yeah. player, which you don't see a lot of with the ref. The one thing I will say about about the officiating, and I think it came up in this game with all the games today, they all blur together a little bit, but the one thing that's been weird in MLS, I think, is. Uh, yeah, because I think there was, I think it was San Jose had one, th- this whole ball to uh, handball stuff in the box. Yeah. Bar, I was a little surprised that it seems like they, they've changed. They've, they've tilted the table the other way in MLS, especially because uh, the rule I think says, and Steve, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but says that now it doesn't matter. The ball hits your hand in the box is a penalty. It doesn't matter if it's Ball the hand, hand. No, 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 no. It's opposite. If the ball hits your hand and it goes in the net, it's automatically no goal. If it's still, if it hits your hand, it all dependent on if it's a if the guy made or like a uh, got bigger or something like that. So that's not an automatic uh, penalty for hitting the hand. Well, okay. Regardless, I thought it was, it was like but the, I thought it came in from this season, whereas MLS are on last on season's next, rules. Yeah, that, Maybe I just can't keep track right now of what's going. I on. I think that's what it, I think you're right, Michael, but. It, it, the thing, the, my point is that things that seemed like they were called earlier this year and at MLS's back as handballs in the box, I think there was at least two examples. Yeah. I think it was that game. There was one definitely the one today that hit the hand in the box, and I was like, oh, that's a penalty, and it wasn't yeah. given. Yeah, and, yeah, and you're not saying it's a penalty because you want it to be a penalty. You're saying it's a penalty because that's what they've been calling. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I think I, I honestly, I, I feel like the MLS is just like they're they're confused themselves of what rules they're supposed to abide by because the season has been so janky. So and, I, I, I think it's, I, I think the referees are just as confused and they're trying to figure this out. Well, but this, see, that one wasn't, yeah, that one wasn't on the, the primary referee, Michael on Nima. That was on the VAR people. Cause yeah. there was no way the ref could like get a good glance at that one. The one I'm thinking of and, and that you needed VAR to say, Hey, yeah, look, you, you missed there was a, a, a handball in the box. It's a penalty, whatever. I'm just amazed that MLS can change some of the rules during this season, but some of the rules they're willing they have to stay. No, we have to stick by these rules. It's like amazing. Like they'll go to points per game just like that um, uh, with two weeks to go. But then this rule, they won't. They're unwilling to change because it was in, impacted at the beginning of the season. Yes. Well, later we're going to talk about how they try to change the rules in a game. So. <laughs> well, yeah, and points per game might also be coming into it during these playoffs, but we'll get to that as well. In fact, I think that wraps it up for this part. We've still got a couple more of the Western Conference games to go over, and of course, all the juicy stuff from the East. And we'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's tonight's song by this month's Artist of the Month, English band Idols. That was a song from their second EP called Meat, released in 2015, and that was the Idols Chant. We've got one more Idol song coming up for you next week, hope you've enjoyed them so far. Something that wasn't idle this weekend was all the action on the pitch. The players certainly put in a lot of shifts in all the MLS playoff games. We've got two more games in the West to talk about that took place today. This one we'll just kind of go over pretty quickly. It was Minnesota-Colorado, not the most exciting game. Minnesota, though, are moving on to take on Sporting Kansas City, which I think is going to be an absolutely fantastic Western Conference semi-final. That should be an end-to-end game. I'm looking forward to that one. Minnesota got the better of Colorado 3-0 this afternoon. It was a scoreline that maybe didn't reflect how the game went because Colorado had the best of the early going, but then Kevin Molino made it 1-0 for Minnesota in the 22nd minute against the run of play. Colorado started the second half with a lot of pressure, had a couple of chances, but then a couple of goals by Lode, and then from Melino getting his second, clinched Minnesota's first ever playoff win. Not a a lot to to chat about from this one, guys, but I think that does set up a a very tasty game against KC now in the semis. Yeah, and we get a a matchup of uh, Kai Kamara versus Eric Hurtado next week. 
oh. or whenever that game was on. Yeah, it was it was not not that as enthralling of a match. Uh, this one just had it on while we played some board games as a family. Well, I, I think I think if we maybe watched the game, I uh, like if you watched it, paid full attention. I think it might have been pretty exciting because there was a lot of chances. Mm. It's just Colorado couldn't couldn't finish theirs, and Minnesota finished all of theirs. So if it if it came, it could have been a similar game to like uh, San Jose and uh, Kansas City if uh, Colorado finished their chances. Yeah, I it's had just, it on fast forward, so I wasn't really paying tons of attention to it. So maybe maybe it was better, but it, it didn't strike me as an exciting game anyway. Oh, I didn't watch it at all, so I'm just guessing. <laughs> we're, just happy for, we're just happy for Boxy and, and Kai. Yeah, and I do like Adrian Heath. I know a lot of folk around the league don't, but he's, I, I like him because he's grumpy. No, I like he. The one time I talked to him, he was very pleasant. I think he, was, he even came after a loss, possibly. Mm. And he was very pleasant to talk to, so... This is what Steve and me base all our things on. Like I, I love Wando because whenever Wando's been here, he's been amazing to chat to. He's just like a total gentleman. He's always got time for the media. He goes into detailed answers. And I, I think there's certain guys that know and they get it and they know what they need to do in this league. And then there's other guys that, that don't. I don't think I've had a really bad run-in with any coaches in the past. I think it's usually players. Yeah, there's been a couple are, of grumpy uh, coaches after a defeat, but that's understandable. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I don't hold that against them. It's just like if they give a good answer, then that's all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for like a pleasant tree. Or well, like that. Wando is great too. The one time I was in San Jose to watch them smash Chivas four uh, nil, I was trying to connect with Shea after, but we had to leave because we had to, we were driving back or driving somewhere, and so I just ran into Wando. I was like, Wando, can you just give me give a message to Shea for me? He's like, Yeah, of course. Nice. nice guy. So that should be a good semi-final. And then I think a lot of people probably expected that we would be getting a Cascadian semi-final in the other half of the bracket. That's already out the window because of the game that finished just moments before we started doing this recording. We held back to to watch the end of the game. And Portland-Dallas, oh, fantastic. Zach's holding up Hulk Hogan meme saying, come on. Portland, let's hear those excuses. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have a few of them. I think Andrew posted that on the Cascadia trifecta. Look at my picture in the back too. Oh, I know. I'm going to, I'm going to snip this and put this out. It's a, it's a chopped down timber tree. Fantastic. Steve is always on point with his, his background graphics, which when we get back to doing some more of the, the live YouTube stuff, they're going to be good. It wasn't the most exciting game of the weekend, but they just exploded at the end of regulation time for a kind of 10-minute spell. Dallas had the ball in the net after 30 minutes. It was flagged rightly for offside. Pretty boring game. Portland, better team, were pushing. Couldn't get that breakthrough. And then the breakthrough came in the 82nd minute, I think it was, Jorge Villafania put the Timbers ahead, lovely goal, I mean a great passing move, Villafania started it, finished it, couple of passes in between, really nice move and at that point you thought, yeah that's it, the Timbers have just done enough, they've eked it out, 1-0, I mean did you think for a minute Dallas were going to come back in that? Not based on the whole previous game, what have we seen right, uh, it looked like uh FC Dallas, it seemed like up to that point, FC Dallas thought it was a two-game leg or something like that because they weren't <laughs> really putting very much into that first game at all. 
but yeah, once once that goal went in, uh, I thought it was like a done deal. It's you know, uh, Portland moves on. Yeah, it was it was very surprising to see Portland give up the the equalizer uh, the way they did, and uh, yeah, you felt like they were just gonna you know easily see the game out. It was weird as well. I thought to to watch two teams play a playoff game in the Whitecaps home stadium. Um, but I mean, I thought they did well by getting the green around it to to get make it look more like a home game for Portland. But to be fair, Portland paid homage to the Whitecaps with a a playoff performance that would not have looked out of place from a, a Vancouver team in the in the playoffs. Pretty boring stuff. Didn't look like there was going to be much goal action, and then bollocks it up in the end. Yeah, it seemed like they they weren't able to cleanse the white cap uh, stink off that stadium. Yep, the aura <laughs> remained. Yeah. yeah. But it got to, to stoppage time. Steve Clark with a absolutely tremendous save, which you thought, oh, that's Dallas's one chance there, and Clark saved the day. Then Clark takes a, a goal kick that Portland just don't deal with, allowing a quick break from Dallas. 17-year-old Ricardo Pepe ties it up in the 93rd minute, hits the post, rebound comes to him, puts it away. And you're like, wow, extra time. Which was pretty non-eventful until the last kick of extra time when a cross comes shot, and you know how much I love those, from Diego Valeri, off the post, and you're like, wow, that would have been a dramatic ending. And then it went to penalties. And let's be honest... That was some clinical penalties. Although I think if the goalkeepers had just stood where they were, they would have got to them. But that is how a penalty shootout should be. <clears throat> just a little nod there for San Jose Earthquakes. If you want to watch that penalty shootout, that's what a penalty shootout should be. And then it came down. Villafania had opened the scoring. He's walking up. The commentators are pointing out about his penalty miss in 2015 or 2016. I can't remember which one it was. 2015? Because they won it in 2016, yeah. And I, I thought he's going to miss this. And he did. Great save, though. I mean, you've, you've got to say that. But it was at a height that the goalkeeper's going to do it. An enjoyable ending to watch wasn't really an enjoyable playoff. And having the Timbers crash out of the first hurdle, that's always fun. Yeah, but... Yes, I agree with you on that. But, I'll be sleeping easy tonight. Yeah, but do you really like Dallas to go through? Like, it feels kind of it's it's less of a reason to watch the game now. <laughs> you don't even care next for this. Yeah, That's true. that is true. Um, the the um, it, it was uh, the commentators were talking about how Portland's really bad at giving up goals late in games. Yeah, surprised at how how poor they were off that goal kick, as you mentioned, Michael. Um, when it comes to the shootout, um, yeah, Villafania is walking up and they're like, yeah, last time he missed. And they even said he went to the keeper's right. So this time he went to the keeper's left. But you're right, Michael. It was a very poor penalty. It was at a very bad height, a good a good height if you're a keeper um, to get to. And just, I don't know, he, when you're watching penalties, often you can tell if a player is confident and like going to, you know, and he did not look. I mean, a couple other guys looked a little. Oh, there was too. a couple of stutter steps that I hate so much. Yeah, in I hate, I hate stutter steps, and I feel like if you do a stutter step, the goalie should be able to keep. Like, there's got to be some kind of rule where you goalie can keep get off the line. 
if there's well, like a certain changed like that. the rule and then they went back in it where it had to be all in the one motion. Yeah. And it's like they need to go back to that or just stop it altogether because it's ridiculous. And it's not fair because the keeper's got these rules now that he has to strictly stay on his line. Now, he's automatically going to think the ball's going to get kicked and move, and then it's a stutter step, which then gives the attacker the advantage because the keeper is likely to have moved. But, yeah, that they, they just uh, annoy me. But it was... Uh, but, but you mentioned that, that that's a penalty shootout you want to see. That's the way a penalty shootout should be. I don't think so. I found it horrifically boring well, no, because no. it was just goal I, after goal. Yeah. You want to have a stop here and there in order, and it should be decided after five. No, that's I like what I enjoy. I, yeah. I enjoy saves, but if you're a team, that's what a penalty shootout should look like is, is more of what I was meaning. Like, if you're taking the penalties, that's what your penalties should look like. They should all be clinical and getting and getting. But scored. I feel like it, it has a little bit more to do with the goalkeepers because those goalkeepers really had no clue which way to go at all. Yeah. So now Dallas move on. And they're going to play the winner of Tuesday's game between Seattle and LAFC. Now, something about this game and a couple of things we'll talk about. We said in last week's show, it would be amazing if COVID did not hit the MLS playoffs. And lo and behold, COVID has hit the MLS playoffs. A couple of teams so far. One of them we'll get to when we get to the East. But LAFC are facing Seattle on Tuesday and they're missing four players. They, had, oh, they only had four players that went away on international duty, and all four of them caught COVID, which is really unlucky and unfortunate, especially when one of them is the golden boot, Diego Rossi. So you've got Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez, who caught it while away with Uruguay, Diego Palacios and Jose Cifuentes, who caught it while away with Ecuador, and that then led to MLS clarifying their policy on COVID for the playoffs. And the policy basically is, you play with what you have. And I went on Bob Bradley's call actually on Friday because I was curious what Bob Bradley was going to say about all of this. And to be fair to Bob Bradley, he just took it in his stride and he said, look, we knew this was a possibility. We thought there might even be quarantine even if they didn't get COVID. So we've been working on this game with the group that we had left behind. And if we got the players back, so be it. So he, he was actually fine with it. But the interesting thing is, if in the playoffs, two teams both get hit with a COVID surge and they can't play the game because there's so many infected, it then goes to the regular season point per game to decide who moves on in the playoff, which is frankly ridiculous. So the MLS Cup final is going to be decided by points per game. Who, who it be. I, I'm not surprised by what MLS has to with their plans and how they change. Um, it's such a short I, window; they can't really reschedule stuff. That's that's the big big issue as well. It's it's better off do, bringing both teams in and doing a penalty shootout yeah. for like ninety minutes because there's twelve there's twelve feet of separation between the goalkeeper and the penalty shooter. So you might as well just do that. You can do it for ninety minutes, like a, just a penalty shootout for ninety minutes. Get their TV time into. But the other team that was hit was Inter-Miami. So let's move on to the Eastern Conference now. And I'll start with the Miami game, which was the second of the, the play-in games because the East have two play-in games that took place on Friday because they've got 10 teams in the playoffs. So they, they had to kind of narrow that down. So the second of those games was Nashville-Inter-Miami. Now, Inter-Miami went into that game 
missing three players, two of them key starters because of COVID tests, two of them being the Higuain brothers, and the other one was their key defender, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. So they were missing that, and I, I mean, this game... It was a battle between the two expansion teams, which is unique in MLS. Well, it's unique that expansion teams really get to the playoffs for one thing, but it was an East versus West battle because, of course, Nashville were meant to be in the Western Conference. The West won this one 3-0. Nashville very comfortable in this game. Not going to really go into the ins and outs of the game. A couple of things, though, I do want to talk about just from the teams and from the games. Now... Both of these teams, as expansion teams, look better than the Whitecaps that that are in their 10th season in MLS. And I know a big chunk of it is investment, and I know a big chunk of it is the expansion draft. They've got MLS veterans. And on that latter point, this just shows you the importance of having MLS veterans in this league that I've harped on about for years Mark DeSantis wanted to get it done, didn't wasn't able to get it done for whatever reason. They've talked again that they'd like to get some MLS veterans in. They surely have to. If they want to take steps, they need to get some veterans in. And I don't care what they have to give up for it. I don't care what gam or tam or what they have to spend. They need to try and break the bank to get a couple of these key players in, I feel. Now, are you basing that they're better teams because they made the playoffs or the way they play? Just both. I'm just wondering. Just, just okay. Because like, I've never play seen nice football. I, I haven't seen either team play, so I don't know. All that right. Okay. All. Because no, they, point they play, total, they play really nice football. Point totals, I don't. Particular. Point totals, I don't think either team surpassed the Whitecaps. Am I mistaken on that or no? Or I, I, I am. didn't. Yeah. Nashville, okay. I think, did. But uh, but yeah, but I think a lot of their games were against FC Dallas. So they had a weird season <laughs> well, yeah. start to that. Um, so, uh, but the, uh, I agree with you there. I think that has some. I think that has probably has more to do with it than investment. Although the investment is huge, uh, Nashville really doesn't have that much investment though. They did uh, more of a peripherally signing. They didn't really sign that big huge name, or I think they signed the one German player. I think that played in Norway. Exactly. Is that am I mistaken? Um, yeah, uh, but but yeah. uh, th- th- that was their biggest signing, I think, of the year. Or, or was there somebody else that was added on that? Walker no. Zimmerman. Yeah, I mean, no, Walker that's, Zimmerman. That's, was their, he was that's the big MLS, MLS guy. Yeah, yeah. coming from I've LAFC. I mean, yeah. we'll, we'll come to that when we come to the awards because he's picked up the awards, and I I think he's in he's in the the discussion for like the league's MVP as well. But I mean, we'll, we'll come to that in the, in the final part. Apparently the, the, one of the biggest reasons why he, they wanted to bring him in was because of his first name Walker. Cause it sounded very country Western. Are you serious? I heard that. I heard the story about that somewhere. He should have gone to Atlanta cause they filmed the walking dead there. And it's like, they talk about the walkers. So that'd have been even better. Yeah. That, that makes sense in marketing soccer league. So, um, I watched a bunch of this game and um, Michael, I didn't really think the quality of the game was that good, especially from Miami who I know is missing their, you know, some of their most influential mm-hmm. players, obviously. Um, but the, the quality of, of the game as a whole, I thought was not really, really good. Uh, da- uh, Nashville was, uh, you know, by far the, the better of the, of the two teams. Very comfortable. Um, yeah. The, um, uh, yeah, it was, it was, you know, happy for them. I think it's the first 
I think it's the first time, maybe you said it's the first time ever a, a new team to the league has won uh, in their first year in the playoffs, a playoff game. No, but this is not officially a playoff game. It's a play-in game. No, I, I think it's called playoff game now. No, so it's still, it still called play-in, but it's playoffs. Yeah, I mean, let's be but honest, it is a part a of their playoff. playoff. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But, but one of the things that this kind um, of – this is a little tidbit from the game that's set, set up for other things that happened in the weekend – in terms of MLS and like they're not knowing the rules super well and all that kind of stuff. I was listening to the commentary and I forget it was the first or the second goal. And Taylor Twelman, who generally like I'm not like a huge Taylor Twelman fan, but I generally respect the guy. I like he some of the things he was saying were just like really just like like so mind, mind boggling. Yeah. In the in the build up in the build up to I believe it was the first it was the first or the second goal. Uh the uh, the, uh, the Nashville center forward had, uh, in making a run, had entered an offside position. What would have been an offside position? And the Nashville midfielder tried to play a through ball to him. And the the Nashville defender intercepted it, like like cut it out, like cut out the pass. And Twelman's like, that should have been called for offside. <laughs> I was like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, how think, are you? No, the thing is with with Tolman this year, I've noticed it too this year. I think it has to do a lot with not being in the stadium. I think the, because they're doing it remotely still, I believe. And I think uh, uh, I think it does. Maybe he's not used to it because he, he's done most of them. I mean, just, I'm, I'm looking for reasons why. Because normally he does call the game pretty good. But Steve, like I was looking at the same thing he was at the monitor. Yeah, and, and, no, and I agree with that. A play, a, if a defender cuts off a play, it's not offside until the attacker either touches it or uh, interferes with the play. And so I was yeah. like, "Why are you trying to say this was offside? Like this was, this is like there's no chance that this is that this can ever be called offside in any way, shape, or form." And it was just, yeah, it turned out to me to be like, uh, "Okay, MLS people really don't know the rules of, of the game as yes. the weekend progress, which we'll talk about later." Oh yeah. Nashville now, they move on to to take on TFC on Tuesday. And like TFC haven't played now for a couple of weeks, whereas Nashville's got this game under their belt. I fancy them to pull the shock off, just because I, I think they'll be buzzing after this one. They, they've built a very solid team, and it should be an interesting game. But I, I think they might pull off the shock. Do, do you guys... Fancy them, or do you think it's TFC all the way? I I think in both games, I think there's both uh, both games. There's chances for the upset because I agree with you. When you're haven't played for so long, and you're not getting that you know that you know the in game competition and just training or whatever, it can affect you when you have a team that's just played. I know it's three days ago, but they could catch them off guard. Uh, it's totally understandable. It's not like they have to travel halfway across the country or something in those three days. It's just a, a quick jump up to Connecticut. So it's not that far away from them, but I, I think it's totally doable. And I think New England can upset Philadelphia fairly easily too. As much as Toronto, like Toronto didn't like, uh, they, they didn't go out in the big bang and winning the shield the way they had hoped. <laughs> and the way, or uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe they're lifting up manhole covers in Toronto. I'm not sure what they're doing this year, but um, the, uh, they yeah they didn't quite end the season I think the way they would have liked to and so um, I'd say there's a chance for Nashville. However, Nashville is not going to be playing or like Toronto is not going to be playing any in any way like Miami did. 
right? Like, yeah, Dax McCarty is not going to be able just to stroll yeah. through the middle of the park and just smash one in. Yeah, no, that's very little pressure, you know, to- totally understandable. But the thing is, and I, I, I 100% agree that both teams are superior to the teams they're going to be playing that are coming in off three days rest. But we, it is true that Russ sometimes does not get off um, in time for the game. And I've seen it multiple times in, in the MLS where yeah. teams that are just sitting around don't are, don't perform up to their snuff. The other play-in game from Friday featured the Canadian content. It was Montreal Impact who went out in heartbreaking fashion against New England Revolution. Lost 2-1. Carlos Gill put the revs up in the 38th minute. It was a very end-to-end game. I was surprised, actually, by how attacking it was from both teams because it was actually quite refreshing to see because it was a very enjoyable half, but I think the revs deserved to be one up. Full credit, though, to Montreal. Whatever Thierry Henry said to them at half-time got them fired up in the second half, but they got themselves back into it through Romel Kyoto, and it's like there's been several times I've been on a, a lot of Thierry Henry's calls this year, and he has criticised the team for not showing fight, hunger, and for passion. But he said he couldn't criticise them after this one because they, they certainly showed that, and they did. I mean, they got back in level terms. Both teams then had chances to, to win it, but Clement Diop was making a couple of big saves for the impact. You thought it was going to be going into to extra time. But it's in these games that you want your designated players to kind of stand up and show who they are. And, I mean, you, you've got to say, Gustavo Bo got the assist on the, the opening goal, got the winner five minutes into stoppage time. Dramatic late winner, almost the last kick of the game. The Argentine striker showed why you spend money on difference makers. And Montreal just looked absolutely devastated at that final whistle, which I know... With the history we've got with Montreal over the years, it's kind of, there's an element of me that's like, ha, ha, ha. But I do like this Montreal under Thierry Henry. And I I felt I felt quite gutted for them, actually. It's a horrible way to lose any game at, at that late, late stage. That's because of your bonded friendship with Thierry Henry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which Joe Deasy is not liking at all. Yeah, I, the only comment I have to say about this game is I, I had a pretty good sleep on Friday night. <laughs> um, Steve, you know what's going to happen, eh? You know, we're going to find Michael celebrating a Voyager's Cup in the locker room with Thierry Henry. <laughs> Most likely. Um, yeah, I, uh, Gil, correct me if I'm wrong, Gil is also a designated player, isn't he? I think Gil's either a designated player or he came in as one, I think. He's a, he's a, he's a big signing for them. And yeah, the difference makers, like, saw them through. Um Plus, I think the the savvy, the know-how, the, you know, been there, done that, uh, that that you get from having um, Bruce Arena, I think is a big, big plus for New England, which is uh, why I think they're more likely to knock off the Union than, than Nashville is to knock off Toronto. Yeah, designated player signed in 2019. Mm. Yeah. So, like, yeah. I mean, this is not rocket science, right? The two of their big players combined – to lead them to victory in a big game. So this probably won't shock Zach, but I jumped on the Montreal post-game call just to chat to my my best buddy Thierry. Um, I'm going to bring you a little bit of audio. This bit doesn't feature me, actually, but I'm going to bring you a little bit of audio just with some post-game thoughts from Thierry Henry and from Louise Binks just on 
what what they made of the game, the defeat, and the the end of their season. There's no easy way to ever lose a game, but but this one tonight just had to have been a, a punch in the gut, just so so heart wrenching. Can you can you just talk about your feelings and and to lose a game in that manner and and just your 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 thoughts on the winning goal? Well, it could have happened before. Bunbury had an opportunity before. Uh, we had one also. RG, I think Kessler got it before. RG, I don't know who exactly got it before. RG, Clement made a great save at the end, but this one went in. So it could have happened before. It just happened to 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 go in uh, the last second of the game. Uh, obviously, it's not an easy one to take. But when you look at overall the game, like I said to you, I'm proud of my team. The way they did battle throughout the whole game. With the munition, munition, sorry, that we had today, um, you know, sometime, and you know me, I'll say it, if I thought that uh, the desire wasn't there, but the desire was here today and it just wasn't enough. And uh, you have to congratulate uh, New England and, and what they did and uh, wish them the best uh, in the rest of the competition. Can you just tell us what you said to your players following that loss? Because we saw the pictures of them on TV. They looked uh, heartbroken. I'm just wondering what you uh, said to them. Uh, with all due respect, that's going to stay between me and them. Uh, like I said to you, the thing that I'm sharing with you here is that I'm really proud of them. Really, uh, I'm being honest. Uh, for what they had to uh, to go through during the season, could it have been better? Yes, of course it could have been better. Um, but I will say to you that I'm. Uh, I will share it with you that I'm proud of them, and I'm saying it. Really proud of them with the effort that they put uh, tonight and the whole season. I'm wondering if you can talk to us about what you saw tonight that you can build off of going forward with this club. Well, it's still early, but the desire was right. The desire against DC was right. The desire tonight was right. We had so much adversity throughout the whole year, but when the desire is there, you can see usually New England played three games against us and they had an easy win. Today, that wasn't easy at all. Uh, They ended up winning the game, as you know, but it wasn't easy at all. And uh, we gave them a game. With our munitions and uh, ammunition, sorry, and now we were, but yeah, that's 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 what that's what we need to do more often than not, and uh, be a tough team to beat. Although, like I said, New England won tonight. Hi, Louis. Um, can you just describe to us how you're feeling right now, uh, losing like that, having the season end in this way? Obviously, it's not it's not easy. It's not nice. It's possibly the worst the worst way you could lose last minute when. I don't know, I think we had chances, they had chances, but to lose like that last minute hurts. And yeah, like I say, it's not, it's one of the, the worst ways you probably probably can lose in football, but we've got to accept it, move on and come back next year even stronger. Hi, Louis. I'm wondering if uh, you can talk at all about what was said between you and your teammates uh, as you came off the pitch there. I know we, we saw the video of so many of you uh, laying down on the ground they're just kind of uh, in shock what were you saying to each other as you came off no 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 real words everyone was gutted disappointed everyone just couldn't really couldn't really ex- not accept it but couldn't believe what had happened it's just it seems typical of everything that this season is always solving and tonight it's like I say a last minute goal and it's one of the worst ways for me that you can lose a game. So, yeah, everyone was just gutted, disappointed, and, yeah, there wasn't really much much said between us. So Thierry Henry and Louise Binks, they are just chatting about the, the end of their MLS season. 
because we'll come to that in a sec. Mike, I heard in the build up to this game, I heard some people talking about how, oh, it's the fifth time that New England and Montreal have played this season. And part of me is just like, ah, the good old days when it was like nine times we played Montreal this season. The one year we played them in the in the Voyagers Cup final and the the oh the playoffs the, yeah the playoffs and then we played them four times in the thing and I think one other time in the in the in the preseason or something. What what did you make of Montreal this season under Thierry Henry? Obviously, it's hard to fully judge them because they've been playing their games not at home. They've got a new coach that's still in the team trying to build his team. He's readily stated that he's looking for uh, an out-and-out number nine striker. Pretty sure when that goal went in from an out-and-out number nine striker, he was like, yep, that's the kind of guy that I'm needing here. But, I mean, what what have you made of them this year under Henri? I thought they'd get more goals from the, the help of handballs. But, um, no, I mean, it's been a bit... Uh, it, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. I think we, we've talked about how you know, being a Canadian team, they're one of the more impacted teams in, in, in MLS. And so it's it's also hard to evaluate them uh, as, as as it is maybe uh, in comparison to some of the, the American teams in the league. But um, I, I don't know, like you, Michael, like I've enjoyed having Thierry Henry as a coach in the league as, as much as uh, I may have other philosophical differences with him. I've liked his honesty. Like he, he is not yeah. afraid just to... St- to see what he thinks yeah. of the team and the, and the performances, he, he doesn't cry over spilled milk for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but he also, but he's also made some comments. Er, oh, he made some comments early on, which I think might have been before, like the two games, you know, at the beginning of the year, or maybe during MLS's. I think it maybe was during MLS's back, where he he said some stuff uh, that I don't know if it felt naive or it felt like he knew that he's so big that he could maybe get away with mm. some stuff like. There was one game where he's just like, it wasn't the tactics. It was the player's desire or something. And everyone's just like, yeah, but you got, you got like out But his tactics were pretty bad in that one. I remember that particular match. But yeah, he does. Because people kept on asking. their like, desire and their hunger a lot. Yeah. Because that, that time he was just like, we're not talking about tactics. It was not tactics. Next question kind of thing. And it was like, okay. So here's a quick question for you. Is he back in Montreal for year two or does he use this as a springboard for something else back in Europe well I think that's up to him right like I think this is one of the, he's one of those people and this is one of those cases where it, it he'll decide it won't be like I, I, if you're Montreal you want him back oh yeah uh, so it, it, it's whether or not he gets offered something that is more enticing I don't know how much spring he's going to get from this season though he's bare, yeah. like he really got into the playing game but then in advance better than his time at Monaco yeah, that's clear. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of it's built up his stock at least a, a little bit. He was interviewed, I think, by the Athletic just before this game, where he was saying that he just needs time to build what he's looking for. So it does sound like he he does want uh, to stick around, but they're now in the farcical situation of their MLS season is over. There's going to be an expansion draft coming up where you have to protect players and not protect players and various things like that. But they have 26 days to wait because they are going to be playing Olympia in the CONCACAF Champions League on December 16th. In the second leg, they trailed 2-1 from the first leg. 
but it's not really a home game for Olympia because it's going to be in Orlando, so it's kind of a level playing field. They're still very much in it, but it's absolutely bizarre. New York City are in the same boat as well. They're out of the playoffs now. Atlanta didn't even make the playoffs, and now they're having to wait for their season to end at this tournament in December as well. It just seems so ridiculous. Yeah, and ho- hopefully, and that's that's uh, Kyoto's Olympia, right? From yeah, Honduras, right? So yeah, yeah I, I hope they can overcome that and 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 press forward. And but you're right, Michael. It'd be weird if they lose some player, lose a player, or whatever. Well, they could they could always do the thing with I mean, if somebody gets picked and make him an unnamed player, so that they still is Montreal pl- player until the year after. Yeah, yeah that's what I think it probably will be. It's I'm like, sure. I'm sure MLS will come up with something. Yeah. There's, there's definitely going to be some weird thing for, for they, these teams. They, they never fail to disappoint. It's like in the VMSL. They're going to be playing their cup games that should have been played in March, and a few of the teams have joined other VMSL teams, but they can only play these cup semis with their roster that they had in March. So I think that will be the same in MLS. MLS and VMSL are very, very similar in their professional ethics and the way that they handle stuff, I think. But I did actually, on the Montreal call, ask Thierry Henry and Louis Binks about the fact that they now have to wait for these Champions League games. Here's what they told me. Uh, hi, Thierry. Hi. Obviously, it's a, it's a strange situation you find yourself in now because the league season's over, but you've now got a couple of weeks before the Champions League. How hard do you think it's going to be to keep the team mentally focused in that time to get ready for those games? Story of our season. It's just what we had to deal with uh, all the time this year. And again, I repeat, not only us. So we're going to have to regroup and make sure that we can concentrate to, to make a comeback against, uh, against Olympia, which is not going to be, uh, to be easy. But, you know, those guys have to keep themselves motivated. We also have to keep them motivated. And uh, we have a job to do, so we're here for that. Uh, but how hard is it? Just like, just like the, the whole season. We have to adapt to the situation and, uh, and uh, make sure that we can be competitive. Uh, hi, Louis. Just wanted to ask, it's a weird situation you now find yourself in because the league season is over, but you still have this Champions League game on the horizon in a couple of weeks. What's the plan for the next couple of weeks? Do you go back to Montreal? Do you stay in the US? And how hard is it to kind of stay mentally switched on for that game now? Yeah, I haven't really... I haven't really thought about that game yet because obviously it's war what's just happened tonight but yeah we've got that game to prepare I, I don't know what we're doing where we're staying here going back going where else so I, I literally don't know all I know is like you the game's on the 15th but it will so we've got to we've got to focus on that now so but like I say this, this game's very raw in the memory so yeah we haven't thought about anything else so it's interesting there hearing Louis Binks say that he doesn't actually know what the plans are. Are they staying in New York? Are they heading back to Montreal to quarantine? Because if they go back to Montreal, they can't train. All a big mess, all very complicated. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Just to round this section off, just want to talk about the, the last game that we're going to talk about in this section. Columbus, New York, Red Bulls, 3-2 win for the crew. Red Bulls made it interesting late on. But, I mean, that was it for the playoffs in the East. I don't think there was much else to, to talk about that happened in the MLS Eastern Conference playoffs. 
we'll, we'll move on to something else in the next part. Oh no, yeah, there is one game that we still have to cover. Orlando City, New York City FC. We'll be back chatting about that amazing match after this. Hi, I'm Johnny Russell and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. So many people talking and talking around me. It's distracting. I distract myself. I stare at my phone and text nonsense. Waiting to see. Waiting to see. I go to the bar for another drink and a mince pie. I can trick myself into having fun. Who's got the mistletoe? What time is it? Is it New Year's? Is it Christmas? Yet? Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, I, I played a Christmas song in last week's show from our good friends of the show, Goldie Luke and Chain. I thought I would play another Christmas song to kick off this part this week from another singer that we featured a lot on the show, Eddie Argos from Art Brut. Also features the wonderful Laura Lee from German band Gurr. That was a song by Minimal Schlager, German artist, and that was Fireworks. That was their Christmas single for this year. Hope you enjoyed it. Are you too in the, the Christmas spirit? I see you've got your Christmas trees up, Zach. Yeah, the Byron balls are hanging from the tree. Uh, all is well. You got anything up for Christmas yet, Steve? Not yet. It'll probably start in December. I like waiting till December. I have my Christmas tree up. Up in the attic where it's going to stay until two weeks before Christmas, as it should. That's just a we, joke ahead on Facebook. I thought I'd throw that in. We're yeah, putting ours we up usually, next weekend. Yeah, I know. We usually wait till end of November or beginning of December, but with, you know, not being able to go anywhere or do anything, yeah. <laughs> it was just like... The kids were really asking for asking if we could put it up early, and so this year yeah. we did. We got it. We have it in the middle of the room, like like everyone should. Yeah, I so saw I, saw that from the photo you sent. I thought that's yeah. awkward. But of course, you don't have a dog. It's very no. awkward if you have a dog. Well, if you want to, if you want to sing "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree," you can't do it when it's against the wall. That's a very that's good really... point. Is this supposed to be in the middle of the uh, room? At our house, it is. It's our tradition. Oh, your tradition. Okay, I thought it was at our house. Yeah. You know what Germans are like, Steve? They just go to the middle of something and then they just claim it as their own. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. They they used to yeah, they used to have candles on the trees. Yes. Um, but no, uh, my wife doesn't like really honestly doesn't like the tradition, but it's like our one of our little things. So. I I'm not a big fan of folk putting their stuff up too early but i have actually enjoyed it this year like when we're walking penny around the neighborhood and you see it all lit up already it's it's actually really nice and it does with the year that everyone's had watching the orlando city new york city game it kind of felt like christmas had come early because there was just 
that was the game. That was the gift that just kept giving. That, yeah, except for it kept on giving crap crap presses are like really bad. Have you ever known a penalty shootout that goes 22 minutes? <laughs> I can't say I have. I can't say I recall. Although I usually don't time them, but yeah. On my East Fife WhatsApp group, I shared the link to that one. I don't know if you guys have heard about this or seen it. I'm just getting replies off. That was insane. It's like, what the hell have I just watched? And it's like, that was ridiculous. And this is coming from a Scottish football fan. Yeah, and I was pointing out, he's the best ref in MLS. He's English, isn't he? Yeah, he is the best. Re- for me, he is. Alan Chapman is the best referee in Major League Soccer. What does that say? Imagine if Ishmael, Ishmael Elfath was in charge of that game. How, or Ted Uncle. Dude. He's up for ref for the year. Yeah. <laughs> He's not had a bad year, to be to be fair to him. Toledo would have sent everyone off for crowding him. I, seriously, though, I am waiting for Disco or whoever it is to, to sort of step in and give Pedro Galiz a fine for not leaving the pitch in a timely manner because he just hung around forever. Just like, uh, is this right? No. <laughs> He's going to get fined. Right, let, let's get into this. First of all, the actual game. Th- there was there was some stuff happening in, in this game just in general. Nani opened the scoring in the fifth minute from the spot. And then three minutes later, Maxime Cheneau ties it up at 1-1. And you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a good game. And then not much happened for ages after that. Both goals from set pieces, a penalty and a corner kick. Yep. Then... Ruan gets sent off in the 87th minute, winding it back 10 minutes. Arguably, he could have got sent off then for a challenge on Tinnerholm. He did not look at all. He just went straight into the player with his elbow up and he got a yellow for it. I think it could have been a red. Yellow was probably fair, but it was a dangerous challenge no matter what. And then 10 minutes later, deservedly gets a red card for kicking a Scotsman. Didn't he kick him in the groin? It was just down a little bit from it. It was more like thigh. But uh, uh, Scottish guys are known for having giant penises, so it probably probably caught poor Gary Mackay Stephen just in the, on the tip of his dong there. So, yeah, it was a painful one, I'm sure, for Gary. It was a shocking challenge. And then you're thinking, Orlando's in it tough now. And of course, they tried to waste some time. Galiz picked up a, a booking for time wasting in extra time. What a costly booking that was to be. Because let's get to the penalty shootout. We'll try and just do this in four parts of the show. There's a lot to break down. Now, they will make documentaries about this. This is going to be an ESPN 20 for 20 thing. It's like... I mean, it it's starts 30 like... 30 for 30. 30 for 30? Yeah. <laughs> so 22, 22 for 20. What? Who does 20 for 20? You're thinking about 2020, the news program on ABC. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I just thought you were making fun of it, Michael, saying it's not as good as a 30 for 30, so it'll be a 20 for 30. They, can't, they haven't got the budget for 30 for 30. They can only do a 20 for 20. They're, they're, they're cost-cutting. They don't, they don't make money at MLS, Zach. You know that. Just It's like they're like a VMSL budget for the yeah. teams. What about some? How much money does some make? They make some. They make a sum of money. They won't reveal what. 
Now, the shootout started in fairly normal thing. There was a save. It had got to 4-3. Up steps Valentin Castellanos. He has to score. Otherwise, it's over. And Orlando City are going to be winning their, their first playoff game. Pedro Galiz makes the save. You see the replay, and he's clearly off the line. And MLS, as stated, operating under 2019-20 season rules, which means if you're off the line in a shootout, there's no warning like there is now. There's no getting rid of the yellow card that you've picked up previously. Yellow card issued, second yellow of the game, Galiz is sent off, and then... The chaos starts. Chaos. You, you forgot to mention that Oscar Pereja, as oh. soon as the ball is saved, is, is down is down the tunnel. Because yes. I think he wanted to speak to that player that was sent he, off. Yeah, he, he went to the was, locker room he to speak to He said he was Ruan. so upset. Yeah, he heard he was so upset and everything. He couldn't watch it. Ruan was crying in the locker room and he wasn't even watching the shootout because he thought it cost his team. And, the, and on the field, the team is celebrating like they won. Like yeah. they won. In front of their supporters. One of their three celebrations for winning during the the, the penalty shootout. <laughs> Imagine your emotions as an Orlando fan, closely grouped together with no mask on, during that penalty shootout. It was... doesn't help, of course, that Alan Chapman blew the final whistle three or four times during that shootout as well, but that's, that is something that we'll come to. Now, first of all, it was the correct decision. Galiste... Yellow card sent off. He was off his line as well. All correct. And just just to clarify one thing, I don't, I don't know if you were going to mention this, Michael, but because one of the things I heard was, shouldn't he get? Shouldn't the keeper get a warning? That's but in the that's new rules. The that's yes. the new rules, right? So he doesn't have to warn them. It's just the booking. Yeah, we're, we're a bit backward over here. You know what they're that's like where, in Florida? They're a little bit backward. That's where I don't get it. Like I'm ta- like MLS comes up with rules changes all the time in the midseason, but this they weren't. They're not willing to change. Even like, for it the doesn't playoffs, make sense to you me. can say, "Yeah, let's just do it for the playoffs." They're, they're, the, we we've joked around in the past that the rules are written on napkins. Yeah, because then they could just toss them and rewrite well, new ones all the remember, time. Remember, of course, they have already made a rule change this year because there wasn't five subs allowed, and they made a rule change to allow for that. Totally. Yeah, and and. Uh... You saw today, right, in those other two shootouts today, both referees took the keepers to the line and said, <laughs> reminded yes. them, he's like, there will be no warning. I have to book you. Don't leave the line. Right? And they're all like, yeah, yeah, okay, good. We're good. This is So that was like their warning. It was like their yeah. pre-warning or whatever. I, there yeah, was, I think, I there think was, said to them, you may have heard there was a little bit of an incident yesterday. <laughs> there was a game, um, and it might, I can't remember if it was Champions League this past summer or something like, some other game, but there was a referee who was warning the goalkeeper on every penalty about the rule. Yeah, like, I remember rule, rule, Warning them every single time. And at the time, I was going, why do they keep warning them? Like, like the, the goalkeeper gets it. Obviously, oh. it's a very prudent thing to warn the goalkeeper yes. on every... And in one game, it might even have been at MLS's back, I do remember a goalkeeper saying to the referee, just leave me alone. Because goalkeepers don't like to be talked to at all during a penalty shootout. Yeah, they, they know by now that they can't leave the line. I, I'm not a fan, really, of that rule, but that's, that's by the by. Unless, you, if you're listening... Because we had our TSN stream, 
and I don't know who was doing the commentary on that, Fox, ESPN, but MLS put the, the shootout up and it was the TUDN stream. Oh, they were awful. They were terrible because awful. the colour commentator is like, I know rules are rules, but you, you can't, you can't send him off. You can't, it's the rules. You can't just say, oh, look, rules are rules, but no. And those guys on that on that on that, the link you sent me, Michael, so I could rewatch the whole thing because uh, I forgot the PDR yeah. and it was out. Uh, they were awful. The, yeah, they were horrendous, horrendous. Yeah, it's. It, but we'll we'll come to some of the ignorance really of of a, a number of, of players in, in this piece really. Right, so let's see where are we? So Gilidas has been sent off. Uh, someone's come and got Oscar Pereira from the. The locker room going, yeah, it's not over. And he's like, what? We're going to hear a little bit from Oscar. I, I got some of the post-game audio. It's not over and the goalkeeper is no longer available. <laughs> yeah. So then they're, they're stripping Rodrigo Schlegel. They're putting the, the goalie jersey on him to come on. He's coming on the pitch. And then it's like, no, no, no. It's okay. We can bring Brian Rowe on. So then Brian Rowe comes on. I'm screaming at my TV at this point. Yes. You can't, you can't make a substitution during a shootout. You've never been able to make a substitution. You can't. You can't make a substitution during a shootout, and you've already made five substitutions. No, actually, they'd only made four. I, I thought, they still I had the, one I, left. Got the extra one in extra time that they didn't use. That's what it uh, was. But also, Oscar Perea, we'll play the audio in a sec, he says, so I'm there, and I'm like, we all know we can't make a substitution during the shootout. But then we're told, oh no, you can put Brian on. So then Brian Rowe comes on and then Castellanos is like, oh, I've got a reprieve. Gonna, I've been waiting a long time to take this kick. I'm a bit nervous. I'm all set to take it now. Oh, wait a minute. Fingers in the ear again. Off goes Brian Rowe. Hey, hey, Alan. Uh, yeah, you done screwed up again. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to tell Brian to get off the pitch now because we all look stupid. Yeah. So he goes off, Schlegel comes on, takes a couple of steps, but no, 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 Road then takes a couple of steps, he's back on the pitch again, but no, 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 he's back off again, and then Schlegel eventually comes on. And I really felt at that point for Castellanos, who's standing there, already having a penalty saved, going, I have to really score this now, or this farce just becomes even more farcical, because I'm about to take a penalty against the defender now let me tell you a story about what i saw now i, I told you i tuned in late to this game mm. i tuned in after all this red card stuff had happened oh so i'm watching i'm watching this goalkeeper not realizing it's a right back going what kind of goalkeeper is this he's he doesn't even know how to play penalty shootout like he's just standing there just like with his hands up like going trying to do the, it, it was so awkward i go where did he get this goalkeeper from so then I found out afterwards, just like minutes later, that it was a right back. But initially, I was going, what's going on here? Oh, I could see the confusion. Yeah, because you'd be like, what? Uh? What? But anyway, so Castellana scores. It's now 4 all. All this doesn't matter because all it needs is for Nani to score. And then Orlando have won the game. So Nani steps up. What a save from Sean Johnson. It's like you can talk about Nani missing. But Johnson, that was one of the best penalty saves that you'll see. <laughs> and the first thing Nanny goes was like you could tell that he was asking, did yeah. he get off the mm -hmm. line? <laughs> that was the first thing he went to the referee to ask. Yeah. See, one of the reasons I hate that that rule 
is it spoils the enjoyment. And it actually happened in the Scotland-Serbia game because David Marshall made the save and the whole Scotland team's running towards Marshall. But Marshall's saying to the referee, is it okay? Is it okay? And the referee's like, I'm checking. And there was like a 10, 15 second thing before the referee was like, yeah, you're good. And then he could celebrate. Some of these things have all ruined every single sport yeah, almost. It just takes like, the joy out of it. The- what the one of the worst is like if you if you ever watch the end of a basketball game, the shot's been taken, the ball is in, clearly at the basket, just about to go in. It goes in. The red light around the end board, go, blackboard goes off, indicating the end of the game, and they still say they have to review the shot. It's so clearly obvious the the ball went in, but they still have to review it to make sure. It it, it just ruins every single score now. Replay does. It's just it's a horrible moment. And it's, of course, you, you could also celebrate early and you don't want to do that because then, then you would look ridiculous as we're about to get to. Because then the, the next two penalties, they're, they're scored. Then Thorin Ninsen or somebody like that. It's a long name. It's a late night. He steps up and he's like, oh, I'm facing a defender. How hard can it be to take a penalty? Schlegel just shuffles a little bit to his left with his hands up and makes a save. What a horrible penalty. Like when you're when you're going against someone who's not a keeper, what's the first thing you do? You put it low in one of the corners because players are not likely to dive like that. Yeah, High I bet they'll stick their leg out and they're not going to make it to the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way he was going to dive. I don't see any like his positioning and everything. There was no way he was going to get to. He the was corner. doing that crouching sort of thing or whatever. Like I think I think if they shot it right at him, maybe hit, like as long as they didn't his legs, it would have gone in because he wouldn't even have been bent over to grab it. He was like one of those football goalies that you just move along the line. Yeah, that's basically that's how he saved it. <laughs> it was almost. It was. He was. He looked like a crab if he had like uh, like uh, more arms or legs or whatever. I don't know how many arms like crabs have. But he was just basically shuffling over, going like this. Yeah. But I mean, he celebrated wildly. There was chaotic scenes. Alan Chapman blew for the end of the game, and again, I'm shouting at my TV. But New York still have a penalty to take. What is going on here? Caitlin, by this point, has headphones and trying to listen to an audio book, and she just hears me yelling. <laughs> yeah, it was it was moronic again. It was just yeah. like he he lost he... count with everything that had gone on. Is basically what he said happened. But he blew twice. He blew. If you listen, he blows at the end, and then everyone's going what? And then he blows again. The New York players are around him. Sean Johnson trying to go. No, I still have a penalty to face which was then very anticlimactic. Poor Benji Michelle. It was pretty climactic because they had, a, they had to shoot the ball in the smoke. Yeah, that was oh, yeah that's true, as well. Yeah, everything had gone off. And then it's like, you're like, oh, by that point, I was like, please make him have moved off the line. I just want this never to end. <laughs> but it did. And Orlando won their first ever playoff game. They will write stories about this for years to come. I watched the highlights of the game just to just to backtrack. They never showed the red card. Yeah, they never showed the red card to the goalkeeper. Um, I don't think they showed uh, the celebration that the second one, where, or like the fact that the game was over. And then they basically yeah. just edited it nicely together. But then they put yeah. out this sixty-minute piece about the whole what happened in the game. So I, yeah, I was just, but even that was kind of edited too. I think I watched that. I watched that too, Steve. And then I also watched the. The first game today, it was on Fox. What was the first game today? Uh, San Jose. Sporting Kansas City. Oh, yeah. That they game showed, was on Fox. Yeah. 
but they but no but that's the thing they didn't show they didn't talk about all the craziness yeah because like it was they, they they made it sound like it was just a shootout and yeah it was oh, the defender had to go in net and they won like yeah. it was like, i was like what that's spin man that's yeah. that's when your sports broadcasters get in bed with the leagues basically yeah. you don't get the, all the information you can't yes you can't say i mean uh, oh to be fair on the whoever was broadcasting the other games I think it was Alejandro Moreno was like, yeah, this was embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Like this, was- I think that was ESPN, who, yeah. who, who tend to do, do, although you can criticize them how much you want, but they do kind of call it straight. I'll come to that in a sec. I just want to play some audio now from Oscar Perea after the game and from Nani as well. I just used the audio of him basically talking about that, that incident or incidents. Here's what they had to say. Start wearing purple, wearing purple. We need more time to calm down and reflect to all what happened tonight. Uh, the analysis of the game, uh, it, may, it may wait for tomorrow when, when we can analyze the, the, the soccer side. Uh, what just happened uh, at the end, I, I never saw it before. Uh, and and this is the beauty of of this game, you know, that we're humans and full of emotions and and mistakes and 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 good things and and, and all of that. But today the ball bounced in our way, well deserved. The boys showed today the heart of this franchise. They show with all that intensity, sacrifice after we lost our ruin. And also what happened in the PKs and just bouncing back from what just happened and all those things, the people in the stadium telling us how much we miss them in our games, uh, telling us that this sport is beautiful and uh, and obviously we need to make uh, many corrections and many things that happened in, in that last part. But uh, we are proud to represent this community yeah, nice, nice uh, story to tell, uh, which is something obviously that we never planned. It was not not in any plan. Uh, even though we're trying to predict the game that much, it, what happened today is is it was crazy. And uh, the story behind it is that uh, we were in this discussion on 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 Brian not being able to select. I I, I was already. At, advised by everybody because we knew that he, he, he couldn't go. I, I was surprised that when he was, I'm talking about Brian going into the goal, but uh, Rodri came and said, uh, Papi, I can do that. And and Perea came and said, no, no, I want to do it. I will stop that one. And Brian came and Pedro came and, and, and Pedro said, no, 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 give it to Rodri. Uh, uh, Rodri told him, "Oh no, I was a goalkeeper when I was in in the academy. <laughs> so we just gave him the, gl- the gloves and pray. <laughs> and he did a he did an outstanding job on showing the personality. Uh, after what just happened, I can laugh, but it, believe me that this is insane tonight. How far the tunnel down the tunnel did you get in your celebration?" <sighs> And, and how, where did you end up and how did somebody tell you that you had to come back out? Can you walk us through the whole run down the tunnel, where you were and how you came back? Uh, was uh, when Pedro stopped the, the PK, 
Well, before Beto stopped the PK, I was thinking about Ruan. I knew Ruan was by himself in the in the locker room. I know what it means for him not being there. I don't think he was not even looking at the game. So when when Pedro stopped that, I I didn't think about anything else but him. And I came I came to tell him that we won. And then somebody came almost as fast as me, yeah. <laughs> or faster, and told me that I needed to come back because the referee called him back and things. So it was a story that, uh, once again, uh, I'm happy, I'm emotional now with the players and what this represents for them. Uh, we need. We need to review many things that happened today that didn't belong to the format or our standards of, of the game. No, actually, I never had such a experience during a game, during an important game like that. Uh, I, I must say, this doesn't look good for the league and for the spectacle of the, foot, of the football. And um, about Rodrigo, it's amazing. It's amazing the, the the personality in that moment. Uh, he wanted to to go to the goal. He wanted to 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 save the penalty, and then he did for the team. So, I think we. I thought that to, to, this evening was Pedro's evening, but we must choose now. I think uh, Pedro was amazing during the game, and even taking that. Uh, Saving that penalty, but unfortunately the, the referee decided uh, to cancel and send him off because it was uh, it was early. Uh, but uh, Rodrigo was was better because he's a, <laughs> a center defender and he, he took the responsibility and then he, he saved the penalty for us, put us on the next uh, next stage. Start wearing purple, wearing purple Start wearing purple for me now So Oscar Perea and Nani there. Nani basically saying it was not a good look for the league. It's a nice way of putting it. It was embarrassing. Although, Alexi Lalas, going back to what you were saying, because I think he was on the early one with Fox, was like, it's not embarrassing for MLS because it's got them great publicity it's embarrassing there's no, no way it's embarrassing it. come on there's no you can say that there's no um bad publicity but when people are watching this they're just thinking the league is a joke and yeah. you, you you can't it's hard to spin it unless you completely erase it off the books or something off the records it, it's hard it's impossible to spin this in a positive way so every football person around the world, they're a laughing stock. Yes. And you know what it's like in Europe anyway? It's still got that view that, oh, Americans, they don't understand football. This doesn't help. But this is the problem. Even to Americans, they look like idiots. Oh, yeah. If people that think that football is a stupid sport are going to look at this and go, go, look at that. Yeah. I also found just the, I find it embarrassing just the general lack of knowledge. It was good to hear at least Oscar Perez say that he knew that you couldn't make a substitution in in stoppage time. So where did it come? Like who fed back to say 
look, you need to, to, you can bring Brian Rowe on. Someone gave the go-ahead to the Orlando bench to do it. Whether it was the fourth official, whether Alan Chapman got something in his ear or came over. So someone made a mistake there. And I know in the heat of the moment, it's maybe easy to to get things wrong. But that's a fundamental part of the game that has never existed. You can't make subs and shootouts. I don't know if it was just a general confusion or with all the extra subs and stuff. I, I don't know. But I mean, that in itself is embarrassing. But the commentators, and especially those TUDN guys, they had no idea of the rules. And I think that's a big thing that lets football down here is the lack of soccer knowledge of, of some of the journalists that cover the game because it just then comes across that if they're doing a broadcast, they're like, they have to let the public know what's going on because a lot of the public are going to be casual fans and aren't going to know that kind of stuff. So they have to know their knowledge. So I mean, I just thought, just in general, that that, that was pretty embarrassing. An interesting thing, talking of officials interfering in games, Ronnie Delia, after the game, said that he got a message, like they, they checked Turner home after the Ruan collision for a concussion, and he was okay to play on. But then he said 10 minutes later, he got a message from someone, and he still doesn't know who it is, that he had to substitute Turner home because the metrics were showing that he had a concussion. Now, that is very odd to me as to who made that decision. A doctor's cleared him to play, and he has suffered injuries before. I think he's had concussions before. So I don't know if word came down of, you can't let this guy go on. It was, he's got, something's happened. But for that to come so late after, after him being cleared to continue, best defender, you could argue as well, for, for New York City. That's very odd. Yeah, the thing is, is with concussions, is there are uh, uh, players and whoever you want to talk about that have them can kind of fake that they're okay. Uh, it doesn't take too much. That's why you have to do that testing in like the NFL does, where they take them into the uh, tent that's usually behind the bench. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. They actually take them into a, a, like a quiet area or a dark area, and they're able to test them a little bit better because you get – uh, I think you get lights put in their eyes or something, and it depends on how their eyes dilate. But do that in the state open state, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And because MLS and soccer, you have to substitute somebody off if you're going to be even taking them off for like five, 10 minutes. You can't do that, right? There's no way to do that without taking them off for the full game. So I think it's easy for him to fake. I'm, I'm sure the player said he was okay. And then, like you said, the, somebody somebody from above came with the metrics and got him off and at the right time. What does that mean? Like, who has access to those metrics? Yeah, that's what I don't what, know, because Ronnie had no idea where it had come from. I'm assuming it, because they do have those those things that they wear underneath their jerseys that give you yeah. real-time metrics and statistics, and whether it's doctors that are looking at them or league people that are looking at them. I don't know. That was one, that was another thing from that game. When the guy scored the, the winning penalty and then took off his shirt, and he was wearing the sports metric bra. Yeah. 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 Keep your shirt on. Like, yeah. You know, Brandy Chastain got chastised for doing that. So, you know, well, well, that's different. These, these, these ones are, they just look funny. Yeah. Alan Chapman gave him a second yellow for taking his shirt off and sent him off as well. So, I thought for sure he's going to get booked. What's he doing? <laughs> Last thing we'll say about this game, which was highly entertaining. And if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. Although, try not 
check the footage out on MLS Soccer because it's the TUDN coverage. Try and see what we're showing TSN if you can. But I, I'm not big on clubs like just marketing everything and cashing in, but fair play to Orlando City. They've brought out a goalkeeper's jersey with Schlegel on the back and happy holidays on the sleeve as a, as a Christmas present for people. I, I just think that's tremendous. I'm going to get you two guys that for, for Christmas. I'm going to order it from China, though, so you'll probably get it for next year. No, I don't need any Orlando City Thieves merchandise. So, football is a crazy game. That was a crazy game of football, which plays nicely into this week's Wavelength song, which we're going to be back playing for you, along with our final part of tonight's show, looking at a couple of other bits and bobs from MLS after this. Hello, it's Kai Kumar, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Shooting the truth from the style cannon, blam, blam. Come rewind below, do it again. Reality slam right in your face, blam, blam. These dirty white speakers gotta walk all over them. Shooting the truth from the style cannon, blam, blam. Come rewind below, do it again Reality slap right in your face, blam blam These dirty white speakers gotta walk all over them Forgotten golden methods refined by the corrupted leaders Propaganda tweaks for the people, force feed them By order all the murderer, right with them, kill the heathen Twist the justice warriors, the cutting for the witches bleed them They never let them be front or enemy Hot shot of battle, death, rattle, endless agony Butcher the cattle, dark side of inhumanity You rant about pieces, just a twisted type of parody Age of discoveries, the fine age of rape and pillage Time pass, warrants the just Upon the village Defeating all the bleeding world is far from finished They end the suffering The price of the privilege They hide the lies Staying true to the deceiver's creed Veterans of mass extermination Marching on the streets Certified seekers of the speck In the brother's eyes Now coming back to pretty home Is built on bloody lies the truth from the style cannon Blam, blam Come rewind below Do it again Reality slap right in your face Blam, blam These dirty white speakers Gotta walk all over Welcome back to the final part of tonight's AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our favourite Russian rappers, Moscow Death Brigade, with their song, released last month, Dirty White Sneakers. Really recommend their latest album, Bad Accent Anthems. Some crackers on there, bangers, as I believe the, the kids might say or whatever the Russian version of that would be. I I went down a kind of weird Russian YouTube hole, as a rabbit hole as I, I kind of do. So I was listening to Moscow Death Brigade, uh, Siberian Meat Grinder was one of the recommendations that came up. So I really recommend that you check all those things out. They don't have any football songs that I found. You'll be disappointed by that. Although Moscow Death Brigade do have a song called You'll Never Walk Alone. So maybe I'll tie that into Wavelength. But it is time for this week's Wavelength. And for this week, we're going back to the year 2000. Technically 1998, because that was when it was released as a single. It's an English punk band from Ipswich in England. So one for our good friend Tractor Boy, Chris Deal. They're called Red Flag 77. It was released as a single and then features on their 2000 album Shortcut to a Better World. This is uh, their version of a classic football song from the late 1800s, thought to be the, the first football song ever written. It's called Football Crazy. Let's hear it for you just now. 
Flag 77 there, football crazy. Not sure how well you guys know that song. It's a kind of, it was a big folk hit in the 60s in the, the UK. I'm football crazy, I'm football mad. It was written by Glaswegian songwriter James Curran in the late 1880s. He died in the year 1900, so he's never heard our, our podcast, sadly. He originally wrote it as the song The Dooley Football Club. Um, and then, yeah. It was covered by a number of people over the years. Rolf Harris covered it for the 1966 World Cup, but we're not allowed to talk about him anymore. Yeah. Anyway. So, as we said, football is a crazy game. That was a crazy game of football that we talked about there from the MLS playoffs. Just got a couple of last little bits to do in tonight's show, and it's it's an MLS-heavy show, but it's awards season. So MLS have been handing out their end-of-season awards. Not all of them. Some of them have still to come. So they named their best MLS 11. Goalkeeper of the year was Andre Blake from Philadelphia Union. I think that's that's a fair one. The defenders were Mark McKenzie from Philadelphia, Jonathan Mensah from Columbus Crew, Walker Zimmerman from Nashville, who also won the defender of the year. So they went for the 3-4-3 formation, as they, they tend to do, because they obviously want to get these high-profile attackers in. And as we talked about, no one cares about defenders in MLS. Well, especially fullbacks, yeah. Just get those central defenders in there. Four-man midfield, Brendan Aronson, Philadelphia. Diego Chara, Portland. Nicholas Ladera, Seattle. Alejandro Pozuelo, Toronto. Your front three, Jordan Morris from Seattle. Diego Rossi, the Golden Boot winner. Youngest ever Golden Boot winner 
from LAFC, and Raul Rui Diaz from Seattle Sounders. Once again, the Whitecaps snubbed. Get your letters of complaint into the MLS HQ. I'm surprised. Like is, they went heavily on Seattle. Um, the one thing that was funny though, um, I saw that my my email was cut off. It looked like it said "Died Chara," and I was like, "That's kind of like harsh on Portland player." Again, that's what the Seattle fans probably shout. Yeah, three Sounders in the team. Three from Philly. Three homegrown players made the team this year as well, which was a first for MLS. Aronson, McKenzie and Morris. Is there any players that jump out to you that maybe you would have had on that team of the year apart from Johnny Russell? Yeah, uh, or a fullback, you know, like you guys said. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, honestly, <laughs> this is bad for this week. I didn't watch very much MLS this year. <laughs> I know. So I, and, and, and I couldn't even, if I, even if I did, I wouldn't be able to keep track of the players anymore. It's so hard when you're not in there in person and you don't see them in the stadium. It's a little difficult to track who these guys are. Yeah, like I didn't watch a lot of Brendan Harrison from Philadelphia Union this year. So I, Yeah, I didn't see really many Philly that. games at all. I did watch Philly, of course, in MLS's back, but I do have a very bad short-term memory, so I can't even remember much about that tournament. I remember I enjoyed it. I remember there was a thunderstorm. That or was after that, but Blake Blake's good, but he's not infallible, that's for sure. I was yeah. surprised Jordan Morris, there wasn't another forward that was better than Jordan Morris. That was surprising to me. I don't know how Jordan Morris played, but you think there was somebody out there that performed better, either on the wing or attacking style. Him and Rui Diaz and Ladero did have good seasons for Seattle, but that was helped by the fact that they played the Whitecaps so often. So, The, the player of the year, it's probably going to go to Diego Rossi. I mean, if you look at the 11 that made that team, it's obviously going to be one of them that gets it. Rossi's going to get it because they tend to give it to a forward. I do feel Walker Zimmerman deserves to be in the mix just because... He helped guide Nashville to to the playoffs, and he's not going to get it. But would you give it to Rossi? Would he be your your choice? Well, I think a league like MLS needs to do like they have opportunity to be creative and do things differently. I really think they should have a di- differentiation in in this in the awarding. I think they should have two two awards, and, and any league should have this two awards. One is who is the most valuable player to their team? And then who is like the best player? Yeah. The best player in the league Yeah, this year. Mm. Cause I think, I think in, th- in that case, you would probably hand those out to each of those guys. I think you'd say Walker Zimmerman, arguably the most valuable player to his team. And all he did to get them into a playoff and win a playoff game in their first year in the league. And Rossi and all his goals are, arguably are good, but it's a, player. It's a strong team that he's playing for, so he's got way more support than Walker Zimmerman. Although, team, except for at the back where they lost Walker Zimmerman. Yeah, but but the thing is with Rossi is that you can say that he could be considered more valuable this year. Nor- normally, I would agree with you, but this time Rossi, because of the they lost Carlos Vela and he had to, Rossi had to step up, and he did step up. So I kind of this year would say Rossi, even though yeah, it is typical that they would give it to the forward. But this reason, this year, there is a good reason for it to give it to him. It's going to be ironic if he wins Golden Boot and League MVP, and then LAFC get bounced in their first game because he couldn't play because he got COVID. It's just it's kind of r- ridiculous. 
It's kind of sounds like 2020. Yeah. The coach of the year, it's not been awarded yet. Who would be your choice for it? For me, Oscar Perea, Orlando City. He took them to the final of MLS's back. Got this run in the playoffs with them at the moment. He's turned that team around. He's got them playing some nice football. Gary Smith at Nashville, I think, maybe in the mix for that as well. Jim Curtin. Yeah, for oh, Philadelphia. Yeah, That's what I was yeah. going to say, too. And then the other one is Peter Vermees. I would say Peter yeah. Vermees is a good shout-out because he turned, uh, so he turned him around, not only from last year, but even this year. He, he turned him around halfway through the year. I, I was thinking about Sporting Kansas City today, not just because of Johnny Russell. I, I do think of other things to do with Sporting Kansas City, like their lovely jerseys in their stadium. But... Their owner came out at the end of last season fuming, saying, we will not stand for this again. We will make sure we turn things around. We will invest. We will get better. And then they finished top of the West. So he did everything he said he was going to do. Would yearn to have an owner that comes out and does that and then backs it up and then you get the results. But Wait, your owner's allowed to publicly talk about things? Yeah, and put money in the team. And people know who he is by looks. Last little bit of tidbit that I'm going to cover that came out from MLS this week, and then we've got one more thing just to cover from MLS. They also released their best-selling jerseys of the season. It was a top 25 list. So, before I go through it, have either of you seen this list? No, I haven't either. I, I was banking on you not, which is why I didn't put it in the rundown. There's 25 players on the list. How many white caps are in the top 25 for jersey sales? Oh, jersey sales. I would say maximum. Yeah, I would say one. And who would you think that player would be? I reckon, the, best, yeah. the best player in the world. I thought the same thing. He's not in the top 25. I was genuinely surprised by that because I thought, the Iraqi fans are probably buying his jersey. Of course, they might not be buying it through official channels, so that might be why he's not in the top 25. 13 different clubs are represented in the top 25 jersey sales. 10 different countries, including Scotland. That's all those Johnny Russell jerseys that I've bought. Yeah, Johnny Russell came in at what number do you think he was in the top 25? 17. Well, Scottish people don't like to spend a lot of money, or so you've told me. So I'd say in the top, in between 20 and 25. Ah, he was 18th. Ooh, just one off. Yeah. Do you know who was 17th, though, Steve? Yeah, that, that's going to be my stretch of guessing. <laughs> I have no we were just talking about him, Diego Rossi. Oh, Diego Rossi. Which is stunning to me that he's down that low. So here's the top five. And I'm going to give well, let's you. Guess let's guess them. Yeah, I'm going to get you to wait, actually. Wait, we'll well, do the top one, ten. One would one would be an Inter Miami player, right? Well, Iguain should be in the top ten, right? Yes, he's number six. Gonzalo Iguain. You said Carlos Vela. He's number one number for LAFC. Okay. I would say Walker Zimmerman because he's from Nashville. I'm he's my guess 22nd. Oh, I thought he'd be higher. Well, I thought because he, he would be their top player, so I thought they, a lot of the jerseys would be sold. Who else are the big stars? Uh, Valeri. Oh. Altidore. Oh. Uh, 
Actually, there's, the there's, there's no Toronto players in the top 25. So there's no Montreal players. Okay. No. No Vancouver players. Uh, who Apparently, Canadians don't buy MLS jerseys. Oh, <laughs> but we're just oh, buying the really cool CPL ones instead. ladero has got to be in the top five. 15th. Oh. Jo- Jordan Morris. Number four. Yeah, okay. Um, so Morris is four. Bellis is Valeri, by the way, was 11th. Oh, okay. There is a Philadelphia player oh, in the top missed. 10. Oh, Chitrito. He should be there. Yeah, he is number two. Yeah, of course, behind Bella. Okay. Um, I don't even know who was signed this year. Yeah. I'm th- there's to... there's a couple of well known. Morales, Morales, Morales from NYCFC? Uh, oh, now this is actually interesting. There's no NYC or Red Bull players either in the oh, top 25. Who'd want that rubbish? Plastic teams. I, I guess a lot of teams as well, but if they're established, Nanny. there are players established. Oh, Nanny. Yeah, Nanny, Nanny, yeah. Nanny, Nanny. Nanny's number, number seven. Oh. You've got two Super. more Inter-Miami players you can guess. Oh, that, uh, Pizarro, is it Pizarro guy? Yeah, Pizarro's Pizarro. number five. Pizarro, I pronounced it right. I get the right mark. You've got one more in the top five to get, which is number three. Yeah. And he's not a newbie. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You've got Higuain at was, six, Nani at seven. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the other into Miami guy because I don't think you'll get him. Blaze Matudi is number oh, nine. Oh, yeah. That's a surprise French to me, though, at number yeah. nine. So you've got two in the top ten list left to get. One is at number eight. One is at number three. One is from the Eastern Conference. One is from the Western Conference. Is the player in the East, is he from Philadelphia? No. Oh, it's from a team we haven't mentioned yet. All year? Actually, I we've mentioned him once in this entire podcast. Oh, New England then? No, we mentioned him twice. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mentioned them and I said that they, their season is over and they still have a CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal to play. Oh, oh, Atlanta. Yes. It's, uh, uh, what's the name? Striker, Joseph Martinez. Yes, he's number three. And the last and then, person and at number eight. Minnesota? Minnesota player? No, it's a player that was in the MLS Best 11. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Chara? Nope. Rui Diaz? Yes. Rui Diaz oh. was number eight. I he was looking a, at his list. I wanted to have a game with you guys because in the off-season we play all these games and because we're not in the studio, oh. it, it's not the same. We're for the games. Well, the games be great we, we are going to do that. We're going to have a couple in this off-season. The chances of our listeners having watched Wrestle Talk on YouTube and their Quizzlemania series is probably slim. But check that out because I'm wanting to do something similar. We're going to have a couple of Zoom quiz nights. If you want to take part, actually, let us know. You need to have knowledge of Whitecaps, MLS and Canadian Premier League and Canadian soccer. But it's not going to be like what player played number eight for Valor FC this season or, or something like that. It's going to be stuff that people can get. There'll be fun rounds. There'll be team rounds. In honor of my fellow subrarian, can I lead a, a Jeopardy night? Yeah. We can each do our, our own little night and we can each be a host. And it's totally open as to what you do in it, as long as it's not questions about Bundesliga. 
Yeah, it's going to be mine's going to be all Bundesliga. Oh no! Right, let's just finish this show off with the last little bit I want to talk about, which is the final bit of MLS news. There was a number of layoffs at MLS HQ. Some senior editors, my actual editor, uh, MLS Soccer, Nick Rosano, who's worked for MLS for eight years. Benjamin Bear, who is a guy that you probably maybe know the name if you read a lot of stuff. He got let go as well. And I don't know how if this name's out there, but Simon Borg got let go, which to me was stunning because he, I think of him as like the face of the website and the stuff that they do. But he's the, he's the, he hasn't had very much of a presence in the last few years. No, he stepped down as managing director and they put a new person in because he got a new role. So they've moved him on, they had a couple of senior editors, some behind-the-scenes YouTube people and video directors and stuff like that. I find it genuinely disappointing. There's some good people. I've worked with Nick for a number of years, and it's really sad to, to, to see him go. Ben as well. And, and the thing is, it's odd that they get let him go before the playoffs even end. Like, yes. you know, I can understand if they let him go in December or January, but... Right before Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me at all. The timing is very odd. Well, my understanding is they all took pay cuts earlier in the year. I was told it was around about a quarter. Someone else said it might be about 28%. So they were on reduced salaries anyway. We've talked about this before when the pandemic first hit with the threat of layoffs. It's kind of sickening the money that is made from expansion fees and the fact that the stupid way that MLS is set up so that that does not go to the league, it goes to the owners. So when you've got a situation like this, you don't have that windfall. Now, MLS say that they're not they're not making money. We joke about it. I do genuinely believe that in a number of areas because the money is going to the owners. And they need to sort this out because it, I just think it's terrible that you're letting people go during a pandemic when you're charging that for expansion fees. Yeah, I, I like I full I fully agree. Like this is like when when stadiums open up and supporters can be in there and even before then. So so if you really care about about the league doing things right and whatever, if you if there's a cause you want to get behind that impacts the league, like this is it. Like you have these billionaire owners who this year alone brought in what was it, three hundred million or whatever it was for expansion fees. I know it's I know that they're taking a bath this year just like everyone else is. It, to me, it's unex- like it's inexcusable for them to be uh, going about this in the way that they are, um, and at the time that they are. And I think Michael, we were talking. You were saying too. This was like no one knew that this was coming at this time, um, so they were kind of caught unaware by it all. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it just it, to me, it's it's yeah. It's before the Christmas, show. it's as yeah. well. It's like you wow. And, and so they just keep playing the show game. Like yeah, we're losing all this money. And, and, and again, everyone understands there's losing money this year. Every business is, every company is, or sorry, most companies are, most businesses are. But um, when you have the reserves that they have, um, I think it, 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 it and, and you know what they've made in the last couple couple of years uh, from expanding their business, it, it just feels like this is just, uh, it, it just, it feels really, like again, I think you're just seeing their their true colors, and it's really, like really sad. Zach, you don't you probably won't know this, but this is, I don't know if, if this will come as a surprise to you, but w, the WWE, when COVID started, laid off forty percent of their staff, and basically including wrestlers and background staff and office staff, and they and they've this year they're going to be 
turning in their most profitable year ever. Like and this is this is laying off 40. And they said that the uh, even a fraction of that profit would have uh, sustained all those people's pay for the whole year. Like this is, this is, that's disgusting. Like that's, and and it's no different. It's no different than these sports leagues. They they mm-hmm. do cry that they're not making money. But you, like we talk about FIFA, FIFA has like a two billion dollar windfall or whatever, or Triple, like a yeah. like yeah, stash away money. Yeah. Uh, these guys, uh, they stash away. They know how to stash money away, so it, they, they they can hide it from the players. Yeah, um, it, it, yeah. I know, it, I know. We're it, not talking about but, the clubs. We're talking about like the league writing and it, yeah. MLS oh, yeah. soccer is independent of the league, so it's run like a business, like the Athletic. But when you look at this year, Pro Soccer USA temporarily for now has shut down. I'll be surprised if they manage to, to, to come back, to, to be honest. They are bankrolled, though, by the Orlando Sentinel, so there's money there, so they might. But right now, that's shut down. MLS Soccer laid off a number of their staff. I don't know the last time I wrote an article for them because we were all told we're doing everything in-house from about MLS's back onwards. Um, I've hardly written anything for them this year anyway because the Whitecaps aren't a fashionable team that gets hits onto their website and clicks and brings in the ad revenue. I, I get that in a way, but you're a league website that should be covering every team equally. I equally, think. yeah. But the thing is, is for this team, is like for this MLS Soccer uh, website, like I know you're saying it's independent, but if I didn't know you were writing for it, I wouldn't trust anybody writing on that site. Like honestly, I I don't know. Like even spin, they they like we we're talking about spin before. These guys just oh, the articles are always the same. Yeah, they're all but spin. They're just like some I of the don't things even know I've been asked to write over the years have been insane. And I get an email and I'm like, why on earth would I be asking that post game? Yeah, it's just it makes no sense. And and it's just like they just if if it's something like it it feels less news and more entertainment. And that's or an advertisement. And I, I I don't even know why people would go to. I barely go to that site. If I go to that site, I go for highlights just to check out the highlights. And that's all they should be doing. Hmm. They should be doing highlights. They should be doing puff pieces. But don't try to do these hard hitting articles. And and just do your ad, make it look like a marketing site. That and people will be fine with that. But then they tried to make it news articles, like play, places like Pro Soccer or at the Athletic. That's where people should be going yeah. to get actual news on the teams and the athletic are doing a great job still and i wonder though about the sustainability at least they are worldwide so i think that helps because from what i understand they've made a big inroad into media in the uk which surprised me because i wasn't sure that we were in that kind of pay mentality over there but they offer so many things here like i was just looking the the other day and i can sign up now for six months for one dollar a month so I can get six months for six bucks. How is that sustainable? I've been a subscriber for years, uh, uh, and I think I pay like six dollars a month or something like that. And uh, don't let them know, but I split it with another friend of mine because he he reads some he signs in too. Oh yeah. So it's basically three dollars a month, and it, it's it's a good place to go for articles. Some of the articles are very lengthy. Um, it's almost like a novel sometimes, but they're very good articles. Which I like and I, I write, but I mean, you're, you're basically left now with just The Athletic. 
And it's not good for the league because you need to get publicity out there. And it's bad in Canada as well. I mean, I talked about this during the Island Games. The the amount of media that were on some of those conference calls was shocking. It's like the people that work for the, the website, me and maybe one or two other people from the local market. And it's like, that's just crazy. It's just new. That's a new league. You have to expect that. Like, it's not going to be like a flourishing thing but um it, it's going to build slowly and as soon as they get the games on national television where people are more people are watching more people watch more people will want to people reporting on it and then you'll get people on on those calls i'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that over the off season that is it for this episode of the show you can always rely on us to bring you some content on a weekly basis probably not be back next week now after that but just before we go let everyone know where they can find you online, starting with Zach. Uh, for me on Twitter, it's at Zachary M. And my name is Steve, and you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Please give us a follow on our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada. Subscribe, give us a thumbs up, all that kind of stuff. Give us a follow as well on Instagram at AFTN Soccer and read all our stuff away from the numbers, aftn.ca. And turn on notifications for YouTube too, because when we do go live, that's important to have those so you you know we're going on. Very much so. Thank you everyone for listening once again. Thank you guys for giving up your time on a Sunday evening. We'll be back soon. Until then, take care. Thanks for listening. And mon the caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.